We believe you have a story to share. For 2,000 years, humankind has believed in the power of story. In healthcare, we're finding ways to better heal those who are in front of us. Join us as we explore healing stories now. I want to welcome everyone to another edition of Healing Stories podcast, Everyday Lives and Everyday Miracles. It's my great honor this afternoon to be with Jody Sternhoff Cohen. She is a best-selling author, and the New York Times considers her one of the top resources on optimizing health. Uh, it is really in our moment now that as we do with all of our guests, Jody, and it's really just one simple question, we ask you to tell us who you are. Who I am. I think I reinvent myself daily, but um, I am a mother, I'm a friend, I am a researcher, I am a healer, and I am committed to kind of taking my hard-fought lessons and making the journey easier for others. It is really a journey for all of us, isn't it? And mm -hmm. you bring that today. And if it would be uh, okay, I know you have had quite a journey. And would there be a way that you could uh, talk with us today about maybe some of the elements of that journey that shaped you and how I think even in this moment, as you are writing these two books, uh, you've really come through things. Uh, that would be a great grace to us if, if you would talk a little bit about that journey and what you've gone through. Yeah, I think I, I've come to realize that I am a wounded healer. And what I think that means is that something horrible happens. You kind of figure out how to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, keep moving. And then the next horrible thing happens and you just keep learning as you go. So the most um, horrible thing that has happened was uh, on August 27th, 2018, my 12-year-old uh, son and his three friends uh, went to go whitewater rafting on the other side of the state and they got in a car accident on the way there. My son died um, on the scene and two of his friends passed away from injuries um, later. And uh, it was the week before my then 14-year-old was starting high school. And I knew enough about, um, you know, kind of childhood trauma and how that can really um, imprint on your life that I was quite clear that even though I had no idea how I was going to put one foot in front of the other, I needed to figure out a way because she needed a role model and she needed to count on me and she needed to know that I was not going to be falling apart on her. I needed to be the parent. And so I just kind of embarked on this. You know, a lot of people gave me a lot of advice. Some of the advice was quite good. Some of the advice was quite bad. And I just decided that every day before I went to bed, I would kind of do a postmort. And I would revisit the day and figure out what worked. What did I do right? What should I keep doing? And what was an epic fail? And should I like avoid in the future? And I just kept trying to move towards what seemed to help and what seemed to work. And, um, you know, stop, you know, like certain people, just, just certain things that never helped me. And so I, uh, we, uh, you know, I kind of, I continually find my way through, but I have more days that are not hard now than I used to. 
I, I am so grateful that you shared that moment that I know, and I can only imagine because I, being a, a parent, can't imagine what you've gone through. But that way of going through, as you talk about it, uh, how that really must be a daily aspect to life of just going through. How do you go through something and, and keep moving? That to us is very uh, much our question is how to come up with a practice so that we can get through uh, whatever is uh, today. Uh, and as you said, we know that you have to be going through it today because if you expect it to all change by tomorrow, it's not going to happen. Well, no. And I mean, I do want to say it gets easier. Like I'm reminded, I, I used to run a lot of marathons and my first marathon, you know, they start off, I think the furthest I had ever run when I decided to do it was five miles. And so they build on that. You add a mile, then you back up. And, you know, the first time you run 10 miles, it's hard and it's scary. The first time you run 12, you know, 18, 26. But over time, when you, when you've built up that resilience, you know, all of a sudden you could, you know, pick up and run 12 without even training or, or thinking about it. And so I, I do think it, it gets easier, but I also think that, um, you know, different stages, like the whole idea of crawl before you walk, walk before you run. When you're first kind of hit with something that you weren't expecting, be it uh, a loss of a job, a loss of a relationship, um, a change in health status, a death of a loved one, all of those things you go into shock early on and, and you need that because it's too much. It, you know, you can't drink from a fire hose. It's it's kind of overstimulating. And so your body has to check out a little bit. And in those early stages, that was when I found it the most unhelpful because people were giving me things, making suggestions that probably might've been helpful a year out, but you know, day one, not so much. But one of my good friends said, just eat, sleep and move. That's all you need to do. You know, cause sleep is hard when you're in grief. And so, um, I, I have an essential oil blend that I use and I detail in my new book that really helps me sleep. And I knew I could count on that. Eating was hard cause you don't really have an appetite. Um, and I, I also have an oil blend that kind of helps you feel more uh, grounded and less upset that helped with that. And then movement, movement is so amazing. You know, it works on both the physical, mental and emotional level because when you're moving, you're, you know, forcing um, blood to flow through your body into your brain. And so you get more oxygen, your eyes are kind of moving side to side which really helps you process and integrate things. And then you're also breathing which just helps you work through emotions. So if, anyone who's listening to this is struggling with anything movement. You know, I have a dog, so I'm forced to move, but just forcing yourself, even if it's just walking around your block or pacing in front of your house, anything you can do to move will help you move through things. It's really so uh, practical and, and simple yet when we know we go through these things, it's even hard to get out of bed in the morning and, and even what the mind does to us, uh, how to get over that, mindful chatter so that we can move with the beauty of who we are. And I know that you have written quite a bit on from the book of essential oils to boost the brain and heal the body. It's excellent. I just finished it this morning. And oh. one of the great parts that you do is number four, right? The five key steps to health. Number four, reducing stress and improving mood and losing weight. 
And yeah. this is a, these three are all welcome to my world. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, it, it, do you ever um, find a way that there's a comfortability with your own self as a nutritionist? Uh, you really, I, I imagine, can give us some ideas of how do you come to feel comfortable in your own body so that you can move? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's interesting. I was thinking about that the other day because I want to, um, my agent wants me to write another book and I'd like to write about resilience and mostly what helps me with the hope that it helps other people. But the biggest thing that helps me is this concept of grounding. And that can be interpreted in a lot of ways. There are people who say like, oh, take off your shoes and walk around barefoot. You know, I live in Seattle where it's cold and wet. I don't really like to walk around barefoot. If I was at the beach, it's another story. But there are certain essential oils that you can use that have like deep roots in the earth, like um, vetiver is a great one, cedar wood, sandalwood, and just rub them on your feet. You can do uh, an Epsom salt bath. You know, Epsom salt is... Um, magnesium, which is relaxing, but it also mimics the ocean and just really helps you calm and reset. There are tons of rituals you can do. It's really what brings you the most joy. Like maybe just make a list, you know, what makes me the happiest? And it could seriously be like a cup of coffee in the morning. I love that too, you know, and just try to incorporate that into your life every day. Because if you have something to look forward to, or even rituals that you do regularly, because I think part of the acclimation and adjustment to any kind of loss is that the world that you were used to and that you liked isn't there anymore. And so you can't really count on, you can't call that person when, you know, you want to tell them some happy news. Um, if, you know, if you lost a job, you can't go to the job every day. It's just, it's this recalibration. And so the more you can put in place a uh, structure and ritual, like when I get up, I make coffee, you know, and then I exercise like that's something, you know, what you're doing. So you don't have to think about it. You don't have to talk yourself into it because it's already planned you know, at some point during the day, I walk my dog. Just the, the more you can kind of, you know, certainly don't plan every second of every day, but just my dad who passed away uh, six months after Max died used to say, you need someone to love, something to do and something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And so I really try to structure the day that way. And my daughter and I, every night before bed, we play Rosebud Thorn, you know, what was your rose? What was the highlight of your day? What was your bud? What's something that, you know, maybe you'll do differently tomorrow? And what are you looking forward to tomorrow? Like, I really think, and, and I think that's what has been so challenging in this time period, because so many of the things that we look forward to, you know, taking trips, interacting with other people, going to a, a concert or a show or, or something, you know, where we actually get to leave the house, those have kind of been stripped away. So we have to make our new things that we look forward to. And you talk about coffee. And I had the chance to be with someone yesterday, and he is the founder of his own coffee house. And I told him that I was talking to you. And he said, one of the things about essential oils is I just want to know what's essential. And I think you're talking about that. There is a way of, and for my friend Jeff, how do I know what is essential in terms of the oils? And if I imagine that it really depends on, on your, you as a person right? And, and where you're at in your season. But I, I wonder if you have an essential in terms of essential oils. So that's, that is the best question because that's really been the journey I've been traveling. You know, I learned nutrition and was taught that everyone's bio-individual. No one's the same. 
uh, you can't really make a product to fit everyone if no one's the same, right? And over time, I started noticing similarities in all of my clients, no matter what symptom they came in with, no matter what was going on with them, they all had kind of five underlying imbalances, um, being that they were stuck in stress, that they weren't sleeping well, that they weren't detoxifying, taking out the trash from their bodies well, that they were tired, either mentally or physically, and that they were inflamed and their immune systems were either overreacting or underreacting. And I would see that in everyone. And I would notice, gosh, those are actually five things that essential oils work well for. Like when someone tells me, oh, I'm, I'm losing my hair, what oil can I use? There's no magic bullet for hair growth. You know, it's a combination of circulation and often thyroid function, sometimes gallbladder. But that's another issue. But if someone says to me, I'm completely overwhelmed, I'm super stressed, you know, I'm a full-time mom, full-time wife, full-time job, full-time caregiver for my parents, full-time friend. I can't drop any of these things in my life, but, you know, what do I do? And that's where I think um, I, I can really help people. And, and the book really details kind of the, um, you know, there, there are different aspects of the brain that kind of trigger the stress response in the body. And you can use oils to almost gear shift. So the world around you still might be bananas, but you're kind of okay in the way you respond. And, and to kind of illustrate that story, anyone who's ever um, been driving and someone cuts you off, and for whatever reason, it doesn't bother you. You know, you like the song on the radio, you're not in a hurry, you're looking at something pretty, it's all good. You know, in another day, the same situation could happen and four-letter words are flying out of your mouth. You just, you know, you're so upset. And the only variable in that moment is you and kind of how resilient are you and how upset are you going to get by the outside world? And the message I really want to convey is that you can be resilient no matter what is going on. And that's by kind of manually overriding your own nervous system. Your autonomic nervous system controls your automatic functions, your heart rate, your breathing, your digestion, your detoxification. And it has different gears, just like, you know, your car. You can stick, go on the gas pedal and kind of respond to danger and emergencies, or you can pump the brake and kind of calm down and relax. So the gas pedal is known as the fight or flight sympathetic branch of your nervous system. And the brake is known as the rest, digest, repair, parasympathetic nervous system. The gear shift is the longest nerve in your body that most people have never heard of. It's your vagus nerve, cranial nerve number 10. It connects the brain to the body and the body to the brain. It's really the whole information highway of your system. And it plays a really pivotal role in stress. It's the gear shift out of stress. So just to understand this autonomically, it starts at the very back of the head, splits, is most accessible right behind your earlobe. If you feel with me, mm -hmm. behind your earlobe, you'll feel a bone. Yes. That's your mastoid bone. Okay. That's where it's the most accessible to the surface. And this is relevant for oils. Um, it then winds through your mouth, your heart, your lungs, every organ of digestion. When you do deep breathing exercises and you feel better, what you're really doing is stimulating your vagus nerve to activate that safety parasympathetic response. And when you feel safe, you, you know, don't get as reactive. You're not as anxious. You're not as overwhelmed. So looping back to that ear point, 
Oils are amazing for a number of reasons. Um, when you smell them, they go directly into the brain. They can pass through the skin, not only and get into the capillaries and then be carried into the bloodstream, but they can work kind of like acupuncture needles on reflex points. And when I first kind of stumbled into oils, I was thinking, oh, parasympathetic, how do I relax? Lavender, chamomile, and it, it wasn't working. And then one day I heard, I started doing research on um, this New York neuroscientist, his name is Kevin Tracy, and he was surgically implanting a pacemaker-like stimulatory device right behind the earlobe on that mastoid bone and using it to stimulate the vagus nerve. And he was getting really good results, such good results that the FDA authorized this for use on migraines, depression, and epilepsy. And when I heard stimulatory, I thought, oh, wait a minute, there are a lot of stimulatory oils. They're known as like hot oils. You know, if you put them on your inner arm, it might make it red, might feel warm to the touch. If it does, oil and water don't mix, put another oil, anything in your kitchen on it, and we'll kind of dilute it. But in the case of, is there an oil for everyone? I have a blend. I share the whole recipe in the book, but I call it parasympathetic. It's clove, which is super stimulatory and lime, which has super small molecules. And when you put it behind your ear on that mastoid bone, it basically gear shifts you into that state where no matter what craziness is happening around you, you feel okay. Wow, you have found it. And there's the answer to Jeff. Uh, <laughs> and it's interesting because I'm yeah. sure that those customers always don't come in uh, singing and, and very excited. They, they, everyone has a need right? And life is about that. And how we understand to take care of ourselves is key. And how do we think about our bodies as flow? And you have articulated that, especially in the PDFs, which I think are excellent for the book, because it helps just for you to have anatomical understanding of the tension in the neck. Everybody says their neck hurts, right? Well, that tension is is really a big aspect to how the toxins can flow out as you talk about. I mean, that that to me was a great insight from your book. Oh, I love that. You know, it's funny because I started um, working with kids and kids, you get the best feedback from kids. You know if they, you know, if what you're saying makes sense or not. But what I started to notice was the more I told them why I was recommending certain things, the more likely they were to comply with it. You know, if they were a really good athlete and they love baseball and they wanted to run faster, well, then anything that made their blood pump better was going to help them, right? And once they got that, they were like, oh, I'm totally doing this. And I think um, adults are the same way. You know, if they understand why uh, they might be experiencing certain symptoms, then they're they're really motivated and committed to doing things to help unravel that. Mm-hmm. One thing you do very well is you talk about glands. And there's one gland that has always been kind of this holy one for me, the pineal gland. And even in some uh, religious temples, this would be something that people would go into and think that it was the soul. I was really struck as you wrote that we have a pea and in Ayurvedic, there's an uh, avocado. And that seems like a very interesting pursuit. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about that piece of the pineal gland in in terms of what your research has shown. Yeah, so for listeners who might not be familiar with the pineal gland, it is right in the center of the brain, like level with the eyes. 
And in response to darkness, it releases the sleep hormone melatonin, which is known to both help you fall asleep, but also has been shown to be an amazing uh, detoxifier and, and really healthy in a lot of areas. Like a lot of kids on the spectrum are deficient in um, melatonin. And when you kind of add that back into their regimen, their behavior improves. Um, but what's interesting about the location of the pineal gland, the blood-brain barrier really protects most of the brain, but not so much the pineal gland because of its location. And it has really high blood flow, second only to the kidneys. So all of the environmental toxins from aluminum, glyphosate, that's uh, the herbicide Roundup Ready, fluoride in the water, all of these things can kind of damage the pineal gland and impede the ability to release melatonin and also um, some of the third eye and um, spiritual aspects that are attributed to it in religion. And so the more you can help kind of decalcify, clean up the pineal gland, the more access you have to um, remembering your dreams, to your intuition. And oils, oils are interesting. Everyone wants to kind of label things, you know, so I've heard some people say, oh, they're chelators. Well, chelators perform very specific uh, chemical reactions. That's not what oils do. But I kind of see oils as, you know, in plants, they really help things move. They move congestion, they remove stagnation. So almost if you've ever <laughs> tried to unravel a ball of yarn, you know, and kind of undo the knots and the tangles, that's what they're really doing. They're really helping the body return to optimal function. And then in that optimal function, we are trying to become whole. That's that's something you do very well in the writing as well, is we want to bring all of ourselves to this project, to this life practice. And and how does one become whole, especially when stresses and then sleep are digesting all the things that you wrote about, pick one, right? And just begin to start, I would imagine, uh, integrating it. And that's why I was so struck by your morning practice and are there ways that as a nutritionist, you have found certain foods, things that have helped you to get moving in the morning? Because I know that, you know, listen to a lot of our list. When listeners talk to me, they say, what do you eat? Uh, how, do, how do you get a sense of what you eat? And that's really your degree. That That's who you are as, as a nutritionist. Um, could you talk a little bit about the importance of that too? Hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say something controversial. Uh, when I went through nutritional school, I thought nutrition was the only thing and I thought it was the answer to everything. And I have since kind of um, realized that what you eat is important. For example, if you're celiac and you eat pizza every day, that's probably not a good combination because certain foods can be inflammatory. But I think there's more to it than that. And I think that other things have a bigger impact. For example, um, if you can eat in the parasympathetic state, you're better able to digest, absorb, and assimilate your nutrients. Uh, What you think about, I think, really influences your stress. When I look at what really throws people out of health, it's that they're not sleeping, that they're stuck in stress, and they're not detoxifying. So to that angle, you know, detoxification can be supported with more vegetables. You know, that can help the liver and the gallbladder function, but... um, you know, like coffee is a good example. Uh, if someone's addicted to their coffee, I will never take their coffee away. You know, I, I think it's good to try to throw in more vegetables. I think it's good if you're chronically inflamed to maybe get an assessment and see, um, you know, s- surprise things can be causing inflammation. Gluten and dairy are pretty obvious. 
soy, corn, eggs, you know, make sure you're not eating things that are causing you to inflame. But other than that, you know, um, like my mother, you know, she's trying to lose weight and she loves one piece of chocolate a day. And I'm like, keep the chocolate, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's not coming out of our house for sure. Um, there will will be a mutiny on the bounty if that takes place. You're also very aware of this sense of the muscles. And I know you're with a lot of people as I am in, in professional life. And the muscles, as they tense, need time to have your dog. We're getting to see this beautiful dog who I know, you know, there's any aspect of the natural world that just came into our interview, right? Um, <laughs> it's so important, uh, the, these pieces of the natural world. And what I was going to ask is just how muscle testing is something that you have written about and having worked with a a few healers themselves, they would help us with kind of calming the body, releasing the muscle tension and and finding ways that that you can do that. And it seems to me that even as the, uh, what's your dog's name? This is Riley. Sorry. Riley or or ever that, that, you know, you want to, you want to know that the body tenses up. And, and you want to find ways to to do that uh, muscle testing. And I just thought as we kind of close out, is there ways that you think uh, people could be mindful of this practice? Uh, it, it isn't always talked about. Yeah, muscle testing. Uh, I learned actually there's a clinician in Seattle who teaches this autonomic response testing technique. And basically what it is, is tapping into the intuition of the body. So you can do it on yourself or you can do it on other people. And what I really use it for is to kind of prioritize health concerns because I'll give you an example. Um, You know, someone comes to me and they're like, I'm tired, I'm forgetful, and I'm losing weight. So my first question is, are you sleeping? And if they're not sleeping, it's not that they have everything wrong with them and they need to buy everything in the kitchen sink. It's mostly like, let's fix your sleep, you know, because if you have more energy, if, if you're not tired, you're not going to be craving sugar for quick energy during the day and you're going to lose weight. If you, um, you know, get a good night's sleep, you're going to be less forgetful. So let's just, let's figure out what your priority is and start there. And once we fix that, everything else might fall in place and not be a problem. Um, and so muscle testing, you know, when it gets a little bit more complicated, it can really help you figure out like, um, you know, with detoxification, it could be your lymph, it could be your liver, it could be your gallbladder, it could be that things are getting reabsorbed. It helps you kind of narrow in on what the priority is mm-hmm. so that you can really be efficient with people. Um, but in terms of releasing tension, it, it's really interesting. Like it, this might be a good practice for people just listening in. It's really hard. The brain doesn't multitask well, so you can't really be angry and grateful at the same time. So as you're listening, just think of, you know, what you're most grateful for, what just brings your heart so much joy. Like, you know, my dog here on my lap, he brings me a lot of joy. You know, my daughter, sometimes it's the fact that it's a sunny day. Sometimes it's the fact that I get to go on a walk with a particular friend. You know, it doesn't have to be something big and um, brag worthy, but, you know, that's just a really good way. And you'll notice, you know, your, your body tends to relax when you're grateful. I feel grateful today to have have met you, to recommend to all of our listeners your books. Uh, Even on Audible, I found them uh, helpful. As you're not able to sleep, listen to Jody's book, right? And and she'll talk to you about sleep. And and, uh, if there was a way that people wanted to get a hold of you, what, what would be the best way, Jody, for people to get a hold of you? 
Well, they, they can first of all go to boostthebrainbook.com slash gift and grab a free chapter on essential oils, um, you know, basically for activating the parasympathetic nervous system. And then uh, we are at vibrantblueoils.com. You can contact us. I really do try to explain everything as thoroughly as possible. As you have today. And Thank you. We're, we're most grateful for you taking the time. And we can't wait uh, for the next book on resilience. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> Take care. Time heals all wounds. Join us for our next episode of Healing Stories.